Welcome to the Singapore Podcast, where we bring you authentic perspectives on East-West cultural exchange from the eyes of youth. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Singapore. This is the third episode of our 360 Sustainability Series. My name is Yuton and today with us is Yubi Chu, the Partnership Development Executive at Great Monday, which is a Hong Kong-based social venture with a mission to shift the public towards sustainable living. So welcome Yubi, thank you for being with us today. Hi Yutong, hi everyone. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your stories about your passion in sustainability. So maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some context about your uh, education, the beginning of your career, and of course, how did you find your passion in environment and sustainability? Sure. Um, so yeah, my name is Yubi, and um, I'm currently working at Green Monday, um, doing partnership development, and I'm currently based in Shanghai. Um, I guess my story goes way back to college, uh, where I majored in environmental policy. Um, and then I spent, you know, uh, my senior year and the year after school um, interning at different um, NGOs and think tanks and doing like climate policy research um, in DC. And after that, um, after a year, and I came back to China um, in 2017. That was like super long ago now. Um, and I started my career um, doing ESG consulting and, and sustainability consulting at one of the big four accounting firms. You know, it, it sounds like, you know, yeah. one of the <laughs> least possible things I would do um, back then. But yeah, that was, um, that's how I started. And then um, after a year doing ESG um, consulting and reporting, and I move on to a um, listed company, um, American company doing flooring products, a manufacturer. Um, and I was like doing sustainability work for them, like in-house sustainability mm -hmm. uh, for like two and a half years. Yeah. And then I just actually changed to my current position here at Green Monday like three months ago. So it's been like a pretty fun ride um, trying different things doing sustainability. Yeah, thank you for walking us through your uh, career experiences. But I wonder, is there a specific point uh, when you were back in college, you, you, you realized that you were really passionate about pursuing a degree in environmental policy and later making your career? Yeah, I would say there's like exact point <laughs> of that change. Oh. Um, so basically for my first year and second year of college, I actually have had no idea what I wanted to do. I picked my first major in psychology, um, actually. And then I was like trying to pick another major, so secondary major. So I tried different things, you know, like government relations, international relations, um, sociology and things like that. And I just like did not, you know, click. And then I um, happened to be on a um, study abroad program in Iceland. Um, during oh. my sophomore year spring semester, which totally changed my life. Um, so I just literally happened to be in that program. It's like, okay, Iceland, that sounds cool. You know, it's like um, yeah. it's beautiful and things like that. So I was like, okay, let's go. Um, so that program was like all about sustainability, climate change, like all of these concepts I had not learned anything about. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, so I spent that whole, you know, three or four months in Iceland living there. We lived in the eco village, oh. you know, with a lot of um, senior people with disabilities. But there were also a lot of volunteers doing work there. Um, so you can imagine like we live in the eco uh, house sort of. And we did, yeah. you know, everything from planting our own veggies to cooking for ourselves and also for the villagers. And we did our own, a lot of like uh, workshop stuff, like, you know, making our <laughs> own soap um, and bread and bakery, everything like that. And we went on a lot of like field trips too. So that's where I, you know, saw glaciers for my for the first time wow that is so cool yeah which was literally melting and you can see the water dripping on your hand absolutely so that was like climate change right in front of my eyes mm -hmm. it was like really um cool to see that but also pretty depressing to know that's happening so that was like back in 2014 too in your sophomore year yeah so for that whole semester, I was like immersed in all kinds of experience, you know, in nature, outdoors, you know, hiking and things like that. So I really, really had this like connection uh, with nature. It's like people, you know, human beings are just so small and nature is so mm -hmm. powerful. And, you know, the reason why we get to live here now, you know, thanks to Mother Nature that gave us everything. So, um, so that connection really um, helped me to, you know, respect nature and um, trying to protect it. You know, it sounds really mm -hmm. corny, but that's how I felt at that time. But I yeah. think like really um, what clicked, uh, what drove me to, you know, um, to change my whole, you know, uh, career decision. It's like one morning I was like just sitting in the house, looking at like the super beautiful, beautiful scenery outside and on my on my laptop I was also reading the news from China so in mm -hmm. 27, uh, 2014 the, um, the fog uh, not the, not the fog the air haze was really really bad and I was like saw you know my people suffering the air pollution um, in Beijing yeah. and everywhere in China I was like really depressing I was like why do I get to enjoy the most beautiful place here on earth but you know China is suffering like that so that's the point I was like okay I decided to have to do something about it I wanted to be like the Rachel Carson of China <laughs> in the future <laughs> um so yeah that's like the point that I started to think about what I should do in the future so after I came back from Iceland that semester um I just like immediately declared my major in environmental policy mm -hmm. that's like the closest major you can get in my school um, yeah, so that's how I spent my, the rest of my college years, you know, taking all kinds of environmental classes and, you know, we, I even like went on climate march in, mm -hmm. um, in New York City, you know, with like 300,000 people. That was a like, big thing. Yeah, that was a huge thing, um, climate march. Um, so it was like really exciting too, but, you know, after doing a lot of grassroots work and NGO work. I feel that um, it felt great, but it, it was like more or less a bubble. Like people think mm -hmm. alike in that bubble, but you know, people who really have the power, aka the money, you know, are outside the bubble and they don't really care. Mm. 
Right. So yeah, and then I think of like the Chinese saying, you know, um, uh, people who tie the knot uh, know how to untie the knot. So yeah. if you really want to solve all these the problems, you need to have companies, businesses who you know cause all these problems to solve it, and they are capable of doing that. And you know they have the money, they have the resource to do that, as long as you know they're either required to or they're driven to. So I kind of pivoted my direction towards the private sector. That's you know how I started to look at corporate sustainability, um, green finance, um, ESG, and things like that. So that's how I kind of slowly um, pivoted from doing research work to you know consulting and in-house. Yeah, but, you know, it all goes way back to Iceland. Yeah, that's fantastic. I totally relate to the part of not knowing what to study coming into college, just trying out all sorts of different things that are unrelated to each other and gradually finding passion in something that you wouldn't normally thought you would be interested in, uh, if not for the flexibility and all the possibilities that our liberal arts education has granted us with. I also like the point that you mentioned about how you got to see the things that were actually happening on the ground before officially going into that field. Like your experiences in Iceland, interacting with local people there has really empowered you and made you determined to major in environmental analysis and later pursue a career in sustainability consulting. I think I really like this story. So just now you mentioned that after you graduated from college, you worked in the U.S., for one year in think tanks and govern, government organizations. So I wonder uh, what prompted you to decide to come back to China to be part of this momentum to, to push for sustainability on the ground? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so well, the technical reason is because my visa ran out, you know, the OPT after school. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I feel that um, there are definitely a lot more opportunities in the U.S. doing sustainability. Um, I look for a feel, um, but then afterwards, I feel that I knowing that I have to come back to China, and then I started to look for opportunities in China. It was like really, there weren't that many at all. So I was like going for the corporate sustainability positions within companies, um, but only you know, the bigger ones, the international companies, uh, MNCs, they will have such positions and they have like really high requirements for experiences. So normally you have like five, six years of like um, some sort of related experience where, and then you can go for that those positions. So it was like really hard for me to gain to any companies. It was, it was like quite frustrating at first, but um I just feel that because I lived in the U.S. for like eight years at that time for high school and college, um, I feel that it was time to, you know, come back to China to just have a, you know, view of what's going on here. I know everything's like developing super quickly. Um, you know, I was like still using cash at that time. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> It's like, you know, people don't have cash anymore. Um, so things like that, you know, uh, just like develop pretty, really fast. But how about this field, you know, sustainability? It was like really slow and not really well known, I guess. And it's not really a field per se. Um, but 
I don't know, you know, for 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 realistic reason, I had to come back. But then I also landed right. a pretty good um, platform at the consulting firm um, to to really see the wave um, start growing at that time. So for the past, I would say four years, I really see like sustainability become a you know you can say buzzwords or um, you know a trend or whatever you know businesses, um, consumers, public, everyone's talking about it now. And I would feel really, uh, I guess, honored to witness the growth for the past couple of years. And it's really encouraging to see that uh, development as well, because, you know, so many more young people, you know, graduating from college, they're coming to this field and people from other fields, they're wanting to come um, to this field you know, as a, as a change of career too. So it was like really encouraging uh, now, but yeah, it was definitely hard at that time, you know, just coming back from the US. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely one of the people who still carry wallet walking around in China and people laugh at me because I'm just not used to the super rapid development in all aspects of life in China. And yeah, I get that point that seeing something grow from zero to one is definitely sexier than something growing from one to 1.1. After coming back to China, um, how was your work experiences like, and especially in terms of comparative experiences working, having worked in both uh, US and China? Yeah, um, I would say just in general, you know, the culture is definitely different. Um, I, you know, spent some time adjusting to the work culture mm -hmm. here <laughs> in China. Um, Was and, there a lot of 996? Uh, oh, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> it was like way, way worse than that. <laughs> um, because, yeah, in counting firms, the business season, like, mm -hmm. you don't see me on weekends at all. So it was quite crazy. Um, but, yeah, I guess the work culture, yeah, you, I, everyone... Yeah, I would need to take time to adjust to it. Um, but just in terms of sustainability work, um, I feel that in the US, because it's already pretty mature, so there are a lot of different opportunities, um, like really in like niche market or niche position, and people have expectations and things like that. But in China, because it's such a new thing, like everyone's like learning on the go. And and you don't, like people don't, like even your boss, like don't, they don't really know how to deal with a project or a request from clients because like, you know, it's the first time. Um, it's often like, it's always like the first time that we heard of, okay, you have such like uh, requests and things like that. So um, it's, I guess it's like, um, it's exciting because you, you you can always do new projects and you can always like learn new things. Yeah. Um, and you can always have like creative ideas to deal with those problems because even our clients probably don't know how to, um, you know, uh, do or like proceed on such projects. So I guess like the flexibility and creativity was like the fun part of this thing. And just like overall, um, we can see that, you know, the sustainability related policies, um, markets, trends, and I guess regulations, they're always changing. You know, there's 
one day, you know, there's an ESG requirement for companies. And the next day there's like carbon trading requirements for, for companies to comply. So there are always, always new things com uh, coming up and you just need to be like really, um, you know, open to new changes and then to adapt to, you know, the, the market needs. So that part's like pretty exciting uh, for the past couple of years. Um, yeah, I would say that's like the biggest difference in, you know, in terms of the, between the US and China. Absolutely. It sounds really uh, exciting that you are navigating all of those possibilities and rapid changes happening on the regulation and policy sides, as well as on the market side. So I guess next we can talk a little bit about your current work and project at Great Monday. So obviously it is a really cool organization that has been driving the momentum for a healthy and sustainable lifestyle in the greater China region through their investment, consumer education and engagement activities. But I would wonder, could you share with us the things and projects that you've been working on so far and what are some of the interesting or meaningful aspects of your work, if you don't mind sharing? Sure, um, so yeah. So I actually learned about Green Monday a long, long time ago too, mm -hmm. uh, when I was interning at the World Resource Institute after college um, in DC actually. So my project was, um, it was called the Better Buying Lab. So it was all about driving companies. So there, we had like some corporate partners like Hilton, Google, Stanford University, and some other companies that um, serve food basically. So we were trying to help those companies to promote plant-based food. So think about, it was like 20, what, 2017, where Beyond was just getting into like supermarkets. Yeah. It's like a super new concept. And we were doing that also, you know, mainly for uh, mitigating climate change. And, you know, agriculture and uh, diet is like really huge parts. Mm. And then I was like doing some scoping research about China because we were like, most of the project was like based in the US. I was like, okay. And then I saw Green Monday, you know, from Hong Kong, they were doing um, advocacy work um, starting from 2012. It was a long time ago. And then- Yeah, that's very early. Yeah, and they started to open their first restaurant, um, Green Common in Hong Kong around mm -hmm. 2015, 2016. So it was like really, really new. And it was like one of its kind, you know, in either, you know, in mainland China or in Hong Kong. So it was like pretty exciting. So after, and I was like, when I was looking for um, job opportunities, when I came back in 2017, I, you know, reached out to their founder, David. I was like, hey, are you guys opening a restaurant in mainland China? Like I wanna help out. It's like really, really cool. And they're like, nah, it's too early. It's not the right time yet. I was like, okay, maybe, yeah, this is not the right time. So yeah, I mean, I've been following them for the past couple of years until, you know, last year. They started to, you know, do business here. They, um, the product is here in mainland China and they started to um, open their first store, um, Green Common in Shanghai. I was like, finally. <laughs> the chance is coming. Yeah, and I got a chance to talk to David in person, you know, after following him for so many years. And yeah, we just like clicked right away. 
and we talk about his um, vision building up Green Monday and um, the future eco, um, the food ecosystem that he's trying to build, which really aligns with my passion. And I think um, what Green Monday really attracts me is um, it's, it's mission driven um, strategy, I guess. So we started from advocacy work, you know, before having any product or um, offline stores which was really, really difficult, you know, in Hong Kong. So, but David, you know, with, and his team uh, pursued the whole way and then they came up with new strategy, new solutions like the Russian product. And even though we are like selling stuff as a business, but you know, ultimately our goal and why we exist fundamentally is to trying to solve climate change and other um, around the problems. So I think like this thing is like really aligns with um, what I envision a good company is. And yeah, that's why I was like super excited. Um, so yeah, and I, and I think like, you know, uh, the biggest difference from this job and my last one at Interface, which was also a really, really good company doing sustainability work um, really well. Um, is that, you know, food's like such a necessary thing, you know, like you cannot, not eat everyone has to eat you know yeah like you, maybe you don't have to use carpet or floorings but you everyone has to eat so it's a, such a essential thing that um, needs to be produced in a much better way and that's why we're here doing this so um you know with our plant-based products with our um omni pork it gives mm -hmm. people such um better you know alternatives to enjoy both delicious foods and you know to have a much much less uh, environmental harm or impact on the earth and our on our health so yes. i think i just believe that it's such a genius work um and product that needs to be adopted by a lot more people um and a lot more people need to know you know the impact of their food and even you know as a sustainability um professional and you know as an environmental uh, major uh you know made yeah i did not know the impact of my foods at all i know you know driving fossil fuel cars bad i know flying you know is like carbon intensive i know plastic is not good so these things are obvious but not until i did my internship on that project i you know i did not know anything about you know where the beef is from like what like cows fart <laughs> they right fart i really yeah it. no one knows that and every time i tell this data or fact to people they're like what's like cows fart and burp and it's impact so so bad so i, feel, I just feel that yeah it's like so important to just like let people know that and be a lot more conscious about you know their food choice because it's like all in their hands you know you have three times a day to choose what goes on your plate and uh, yeah i just feel that people are so powerful in in terms of you know choosing what they eat yeah yeah so a quick question i guess this is something our audience might be very interested in in a, as well so maybe just use a sentence or two to introduce what is 
uh, plant-based diet, in your opinion, or maybe put it in another way, how would you introduce or promote the idea of plant-based diet to family and friends who are not as familiar with the concept? Right. Um, well, plant-based diet, um, <laughs> just like, you know, reading by the words, it's like what you eat is, you know, from plants. You know, and some people interpret it as mm -hmm. like all from plants. You know, there's no anything from basically no animal products. Or on the other word, you know, in the other in other words, you can call it just vegan. Um, but I guess from my personal view, and actually from I would say David's um, perspective, we're actually promoting more of a flexitarian diet or you know lifestyle. Um, flexitarian basically you know you eat plants um, like the majority of your foods should be from plants and of course like beans and uh, you know legumes and things like that uh, and you can maybe have some uh, part of it can be from animal products like uh, egg maybe or milk and things like that um, I would say flexitarian is a much easier way to adopt or transition to. I'm per I personally, I am a flexitarian. So basically oh. when I cook on my own, I don't cook any meat, maybe some seeds sometimes. Okay. And then, but when I go out to eat with my friends or family, um, and I wouldn't like order meat on my own, but if they order it, and if there's some meat left and no one's gonna eat it, then I would just eat it to, you know, cut down the food waste. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess like for people whose, I guess, uh, aspiration is like from the environmental aspect, then I think flexitarian, it's a much easier way to transition to because it's not like requiring you to cut down everything like tomorrow. So um, and imagine like, you know, turning one person to vegan, it's way harder than, uh, you know, turning say 10 people to flexitarian. Totally. So yeah, so everyone cuts down a little bit, the total um, amount would be a lot. And you can cut down, you know, however much that suits for you. You know, we say, you know, Monday, um, you know, out of the whole week, you, you can do one meal a day. You can do, I don't know, five days a week. Just like really depends on you and the availability of the food, I guess. But as long as you are conscious about what you pick, I think that's the point that we are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So while I was doing my research, like in my previous internship, with, which is plant-based related as well, I was super surprised to find out that Beyond Me actually spent a couple of years, I think around seven, eight years, educating the U.S. consumers on the concept of plant-based meat, plant-based protein, before launching their products and going into market. And as you mentioned, people nowadays, we ourselves, have so much power over the food that they choose. So I wonder, how is Green Monday going about uh, advocating the Chinese consumers and what is what is it trying to push for? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, you know, currently we are also at the very beginning stage of educating the market, just like probably what Beyond was doing a couple years ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough market to start doing that. 
um, I would say like in China, it's pretty special because, you know, people are not like super, just like statistically, statistically. Um, I can never pronounce that word. Right. <laughs> like Chinese people do eat a lot less meat than uh, say Western countries. Um, and we are familiar with, you know, uh, I guess like the tofu based products that are made into like meat-like. Yeah, um, the suji kind of like for that. Yeah, vegan chicken, <laughs> vegan thai. Yeah. Shape like this meat shape, but um, it's actually tofu stuff. So people are like, okay, more or less okay with those things, and um, so that helps with um, what we're trying to promote, like plant-based meats. But it also makes it harder because they be like, okay, we already have those things. You know, it's a Chinese tradition. Why would I want to buy your, I don't know, synthetic lapgun or whatever, like? human-made um, meat, like they would have like really um, defensive view of um, the plant-based meat. Um, so that's like one of the challenges. Uh, I guess what we're trying to do here, I guess what we've been doing in Hong Kong or what we're trying to do here in mainland China now is to uh, educate people about, you know, where the food is from, mm-hmm. like especially the meat and a lot of like the environmental impact associated with it. Again, like people don't really know. And, but more importantly, especially like the health uh, issues, I guess, associated with meat production, because also people don't really understand, you know, when, when, yeah. And when they, when they, you know, call our um, plant-based meats like synthetic or, um, like fake and things like that or they don't know what goes into that and we say then how about meats like actual meat you don't also know uh you know what kind of antibiotics or um shorojing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's all in there and you don't those meat don't have any labels on that um pig or cow to you know to see you know, what, go, what went into their body and then what in, goes into your body. So I guess like the people would care more about like the health benefits of, um, you know, not having to consume all those like, um, uh, you know, antibiotics. Um, but I guess like the younger generation, they do care more about the sustainability aspect of, you know, plant-based diet and which is a really good sign and even the government too so for a couple uh, just a couple days ago i saw there's a handbook of low carbon living style for government uh, people in jiangsu province that is very cool yeah uh, so for those government people for the officials yeah for the officials and one of the uh I think one of the recommendations under the dietary guidelines is like eat less um, animal products, mm. less meat, especially red meat. I was like, wow, like, now yes. I didn't say that. The government says that. It must be true, right? <laughs> so I, because yeah, under the whole climate neutrality goal and you know, in this context, um, even government is on this. Um, as long as you know they learn the science behind it so 
that was like really really encouraging yeah so definitely the aspect of top-down policy changes and bottom-up momentum from the market are the two like really exciting aspect of seeing how the changes is happening uh yeah so just to follow up on that i wonder what is your personal opinion on the development of plant-based products in the chinese market on a macro perspective what is the trend happening over here um yeah like i mentioned it's like just just getting started but the you know it seems like a niche market but it's already also getting pretty heated so a lot of like small players um are in this field and some established player like beyond meat they're also you know uh you know it, um, building up their teams and factory here in china and Oatly, you know, who just um, went public, also has, you know, a huge, uh, you know, office here with, you know, people, uh, a, lot, a pretty big team, I would say. Um, so the, the whole al alternative and plant-based protein market is getting um, pretty crowded. And, you know, different companies have different strategy to break into the market. Um, but I would say uh, it, it shouldn't be like a, you know, unhealthy competition. Um, I don't think we're at that stage yet. Um, I feel like what we're doing is really to, again, like make people understand what is plant-based meat and to really educate the benefits of it, benefits of it and to really just like make people familiarize with this word and not scared of it. Right. And yeah, and then I feel like our priority now is to how to say that, like make the cake bigger instead of like mm -hmm. uh, or like mm -hmm. um, share the share the cake because there's a huge huge potential um, if we're trying to benchmark the real meat market because we're trying to replace right um, the meat consumption. So um, so yeah, we like the market is. Uh, crowded but we I feel that we have a lot more potential to uh to grow yeah yeah I really like the point that you mentioned about even though the the market is crowded and some of the startups are working on the innovation and technology side of plant-based alternatives and Green Monday is trying working on making the connection to make the cake bigger and that was yeah I would just like quickly add that um for the past two years um, you can see a lot of other big brands like Starbucks, McDonald's, mm -hmm. um, KFC, and some local, I guess, restaurants, um, Chinese food restaurants. So, you know, from Mission Star to fast food chains, they're all trying to um, adopt to this trend. You know, they might have like a couple uh, collection of like, you know, like, like summer series or something like with plant-based foods, either like Starbucks and McDonald's, they use um, Omni, um, Omni food mm -hmm. and KFC. I think they have their own, um, own product, but you know, these big brands, you know, like McDonald's, it's like mind blowing. Like they only serve meat, like burgers and beef burgers. So when they, you know, started that um, change, it's a huge signal to the market and to consumers that, you know, plant-based meat is the future. And at least it should be, it should be an, you know, option for people to change. 
too. So I think it was like a really, really good um, sign to see all these big, big companies that are open to this idea and trying out different possibilities. And I think they are really driving this trend uh, to, uh, to attract the Chinese consumers as well. Yeah, yeah. By adding one plant-based item to their menu in McDonald's, I, I'm sure that a lot of the Chinese consumers will probably be affected in terms of getting familiar with the concept. So right now you are back in school again. Just for some context, uh, UB is pursuing a master's degree in environmental management at Yale after several years of career in business system. system I cannot pronounce them, sustainability field. So I wonder what prompted your decision to come back to school? Yeah, um, actually, well, going back to grad school has always been in my agenda for the long term after college. Um, and my parents were like, you know, they're like kind of traditional in this sense. It's like, oh, you need to go back to grad school like ASAP because when you get older, you probably can't concentrate. And yeah, also you need a master degree yeah, to get yeah, better yeah. jobs. See, <laughs> I was like, no. Um, I just like, re- you know, rejected the idea from day one. I was like, I need to um, work first. That's, you know, how I insisted, you know, started working right after college because th- again, like this field is like really new and things are happening super uh, like you, you don't know what's happening tomorrow and that, you know and it's hard to learn those things in school in my personal opinion and you just learn a lot faster and more I guess um, the the realistic side of things at work you know in like <laughs> university of the society um, which has been proving true but um, I guess like going back to grad school can really help me to get to the next stage because after a couple years, I do realize I'm lacking some of the skill sets. And um, for example, like, uh, like I guess like the more technical skills, like how to do LCA, um, life cycle analysis of a product or, or a company. Uh, yeah, so things like that, I would say, okay, let's, you know, uh, it would be better to go back to school to have a more comprehensive um, learning experience around these things. And, and after, you know, practicing things, um, I think it helps me to get back to school to get more of a theoretical view of things that I've done. Um, because every day, you, you know, it's really easy to get lost in the nitty gritty details, like how to uh i don't know like really just like detail stuff that you you get lost really quickly um but yeah that's why i decided to go back to school to you know pursue a master degree um so i actually was supposed to start my um program last year in 2020 but you know thanks to covid pandemic (laughs) stuck in china um but i started my first semester online and I took a couple required classes and I also took um, like industrial ecology and corporate sustainability classes. So everything makes so much sense, you know, after, mm. after working in the field. And you, it's so, it was so helpful to connect the dots and 
um, I guess, theorize the things that I have done. And, but of course, there's some courses were pretty new to me, like industrial ecology was like really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, so it was pretty fun to get back to school remotely. Um, but I decided to take a gap year this year because um, it was just really tiring <laughs> to yeah. do that over the time difference and also working at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, and I'm trying to save the rest of the program, you know, until I can get back in person. Yeah, the COVID situation is getting better in the US and I'm sure that the on-campus experience would be so much better. But just now you mentioned that last year you were taking classes remotely while working full-time. Uh, I wonder how that experience was to learning the theoretical framework on the academic side while having your own professional experiences that is that are very closely related. Do you mind giving us sharing maybe it's just one or two anecdotes of how the knowledge get applied in your work? Yeah, um, good question. I remember there were a couple of moments I was like, wow, this like really just like connects, you know? Yeah, it actually makes sense. My, my yeah. professors are not fooling me. <laughs> exactly. So I guess because, yeah, last year when I was um, taking classes, so I was still with my last company, um, Interface. And Interface was like actually used as a case study in a lot of mm -hmm. business schools and also in my uh, class last semester. So yeah, um, my co-presentability class. So a lot of frameworks that I learned about, um, for example, like when we talk about how companies are approaching, um, you know, the climate change actions and pledging like climate goals, and the next day, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. like this is how my company is doing that exactly, like you know, like that way. And of course, like with a lot more practical considerations, it was like really, yeah, it was just like really, really nice experience to see the connection. And mm -hmm. also because my company was like um served as a case study at that time, I'm I even like invited my um then you know, supervisor who is the sustainability head of Europe and Asia to Ooh. do a sharing on our company. And because, you know, the case study was all about the things that we did like 20, 20 years ago. I was like, no, wait. <laughs> now we've progressed a lot more than that. We need to do a better sharing um, to, to keep people updated. So yeah, that's, that's why I invited my boss to do a sharing. And yeah, people were like uh, really impressed, I guess, to hear mm -hmm. the latest update about um, the case study. And yeah, it was it was really fun to to do that. Yeah, sounds like some interesting experiences, despite all the challenges from the pandemic, by taking classes virtually from different time zone. For the last question, which is related to uh, our series, the podcast series. So a lot of our audience are students or people in their early 20s trying to navigate out of these possibilities in life, trying to find a balance between their passion and something more financially stable while choosing a career right after college. So as someone who has been through the process and have achieved a set success in many aspects, 
what advice would you give to our audience, especially for those who are interested in the career possibly in sustainability? Yeah, <laughs> even though I'm probably facing, you know, looking for a job again in one and a half years, but yeah, for the past couple of years, like I mentioned, I've definitely seen the growth of the market needs for talents in this field. Mm-hmm. Like every day I can forward like three to four openings to different groups on, you know, in WeChat because all these companies are looking for talent and experienced people in all these fields like uh, I don't know carbon accounting sustainability and even like communications related positions Um, so now it's like really encouraging to see so many opportunities coming up but um, I guess for people who are just graduating and want to come to this field um, I guess there are three things. So the first thing is like, make sure this is what you really want to do. Not just because, oh, it seems like cool or, you know, trendy or and things like that, because it's definitely a hard field to pursue in because um, people, yeah, have the impression of, okay, it's not part of profitable. Uh, companies do it just for the show and things like that. So you, you will encounter a lot of challenges in the work that you do, you know, from either internal, in, yeah, internal uh, inside of the company or external because, you know, the, the overall market situation. So you have to be really, I guess, passionate about this field and really believe that it's, it is the, you know, future direction that everything will go toward to. You have to have that determination for yourself to to stick to it because i've seen a lot of people who you know just like majored in my program and they decided to change fields because uh, they're probably not earning that much in the beginning or um, the opportunities seem like not not that many and things like that so or like the work itself is getting really hard so that really deterred people from coming to this field. So if you want to come to like, you need to be prepared um, emotionally and psychologically, I guess, to overcome those challenges. So if you are truly passionate about this field, okay, and then you need to figure out, I guess, um, what your strength is because sustainability is like really, I would say interdisciplinary. Um, so I guess you need to really find one or two things that you're uh, really good at and you're um, really knowledgeable about let's say if you do um, building design uh, if you're architecture or interior designer um, you know you can just be that but also with a sustainability view so whatever that you do you can be a reporter you can be a writer you can be a consultant anything like if you look at things from a sustainability lens you can infuse that into your work no matter what you do so your your title probably doesn't have to have a sustainability words in that but you know you can do that in anywhere that you do. I think the best example is like where my company is now. Okay, so my uh, last job, my title was sustainability lead. So in that company, you know, whenever people have proper questions around sustainability, they would come to me because like, okay, she knows this and then blah blah blah. 
So all kinds of different people. But here in this company, I don't have that title because everyone is doing sustainability. Mm -hmm. Like the marketing team people, they know how to write, you know, a WeChat article about sustainability. And our salespeople, they know how to, you know, talk about the environmental impact of like the meat industry. Everyone is doing that. So no one needs a title for that. So I think this is like a really ideal situation where, (laughs) yeah, basically this is why we exist. But in most companies, you know, um, they probably need to have a people, a person dedicated for this work. Um, You can either be that or you can, you know, start just like where you are now and then do things in a sustainable way. I think that's like way more important too. Um, Just a recommendation I would say because, um, yeah, this view is like quite new. So you might feel lonely or, you know, not as empowered, I guess doing this work so it's like really helpful to meet um you know people in this field because in this field like people are generally pretty nice and they're that's important super passionate about the thing so you can always meet those people and see you know your challenges talk about how the best practices of your work and share Mm -hmm. knowledge and share experience things like that it's really helpful to to stay hopeful about this field mm-hmm. and stay passionate. I like it that you keep mentioning super important role of passion in pursuing a career in sustainability. I think that is something really important for us as college students to think about in terms of choosing our professional path after college as well. So thank you for sharing all of the super interesting experiences and helpful advice. It's definitely so amazing to hear how you managed to incorporate your passion into your career in such an organic way. I'm sure that there are a lot of us inspired by your story. So once again, thank you for your time joining us. Wish you all the best and hope talk with you next time. Thanks to our audience for listening and please follow us on social media.